Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you, and you can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a Connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries here locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to the building. Welcome online community. Wow, I am ready to go back into worship. I mean, you know, uh, wow, the presence of the Lord. It's good to worship God through singing. That's not the only way we worship. I hope you all know that. Worship is our way of life. Worship God in our work. Worship God in our play. Worship God or rising up or lying down or coming in or going out like we, we don't have a, 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 a secular life and a sacred life. We have a sacred life. Every place on which your foot shall tread, God's given it to you. So we are kingdom people and we don't go in and out of the kingdom. We're in the kingdom and we are to extend the kingdom wherever we go. Amen. I'm going to just start preaching. All right, I got, a, I got a lot of different words rolling around in my head right now and in my heart and in my spirit that God is good. And I just want to thank you, Lucas, for exhorting us to pray and to press into prayer. And I just want you to know that, yeah, G Jesus came. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy them. And, and there are um, people who have... Um, who are chained up, you're bound up, and we're here for you. We're here to pray for those chains to be broken. We're here to do the spiritual warfare necessary to break the power of, of, of sin and sickness and death and hell and the, the enemy's assignment, amen? And that's why it's important um, that we receive prayer one from another because one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. God designed us to be in community. And um, I was reminded today when I was coming in of an incident that happened a few years ago where we were on vacation where uh, many of you heard this story. There was a dad that had gotten caught in um, some terrible waters that honestly no one should have been in, but no condemnation. They found himself there. and His two children were holding on to him and he was yelling and yelling and so my friend, Pastor Kirk Bowman, went, and then I saw what was happening, and I got up and I ran in, and long story short, through the grace of God and God's provision, I was able to grab a boogie board, I was able to get out to the children and get them back to safety, and then Pastor Kirk was helping a lady who had gone out to help, who then got caught in the thing. It, it could have been a real tragedy, but God, but God. And then uh, towards the end, um, the Lord said, you don't have to drown today. <laughs> I said, well, that's good. that's good to know. And he said, but if you don't throw your hand up and say that you need help, you're going to drown. Because I was gassed, and, but my friend Kirk was out going under. He kept going under. And so the guy that God sent was a former Navy SEAL. His name was Christian, of all things. And he, he uh, his, his uh, brother-in-law was the one whose children and him were stuck in he was crying out, Christian, Christian. And finally they got Christian's attention, thank God. And uh, he came and he started pulling people out. 
And then he got my friend, and I'm like, okay, good. He's not going to drown. But then I'm gassed. He said, anyone else need help? And I'm thinking, "Ah, I got it. I can get it. Like God said, you don't have to drown today. You have to throw your hand up. And so I just want to encourage you. Don't be ashamed that you need prayer. Don't be ashamed that you're weak. Don't be ashamed that you're bound up because the body of Christ is here designed to come in and take your grave clothes off of you. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he needed help getting unbound. All right? That's a picture for us to understand that, yeah, you can be raised from the dead, but you still have some healing that needs to happen. You still have some things that need to be unbound from you. And that's why God brings the body of Christ and he brings different gifts to come to bring insight and help and deliverance. So you don't have to be ashamed that you need prayer. I just want to encourage you. If you didn't come forward, it's not too late. You can grab someone after service or grab someone next to you and say, hey, would you pray for me? It's a powerful thing. Amen. All right. Well, hey, listen, I got some really good news. And I do want to echo my thanks to all of you who give and serve and make this space and place possible through serving, through giving financially, through uh, your, your gift and your presence. Because those 150 plus children were touched. The adults were touched. There was 100 people that were here serving. And the word of God will not return void. That's the point. The word of God will not return void and God will watch over his word to perform it. And only heaven will record, only heaven will fully record what all will take place through the seeds of God's word that were planted in the hearts of every person who served and every child that received. And so thank you from my heart. Thank you for your partnership in this ministry. We're in this together, literally. The other thing I want to share with you is that we had a matching gift challenge for Run to Stop It. Someone gave 20000 at the beginning of June and said, we'd like to do a matching gift. Then about two weeks in, we got another, uh, my wife received another uh, person who said, hey, I'd like to add to, uh, you know, the matching gift. And so they added 15000 And so we announced that it was 35000 for the month of June. And I just want you to know that I'm thinking, maybe we could extend it through July. And, uh, but you know, God says, like, you needed to have faith. I was like, I know I need to have faith. Like, I'm, I, I believe God, help my unbelief. How many can relate? Like, I believe, but there's still that, you know, that doubt that wants to creep in. And so, guess what God did? What God did? We needed 35000 to match the 35000 but $41,099 and some change came in. To God be the glory. Yeah. To God be the glory. So, the Lord is doing it. I am still believing that the equivalent of 400 people will give $500 and that 200 will give 1,000 and that we will reach the $400,000 goal. I'm believing that. How many of you will believe with me? Come on. All right. Praise God. You ready to get into the word? Ready for that word to get into you? Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much. Your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your word that cannot return void. You are the living word, Jesus, and we we praise you and love you. And we ask today now, God, as we get into your word, that your word will get into us, that it, it will feed us, but it will convict us. It will change us and wash us and transform us. And we want your word to have its way. We want it to bear eternal fruit. 
not fruit one day and gone the next, but it abides and it remains so that we prove to be your disciples and glorify you, our Father in heaven. We pray for this grace in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. All right, one, one other thing before I open this word up. I want to thank Pastor Jonathan for the word he brought last week. It was really strong, really good. Do not let go. And if you did not get to hear it, I encourage you. I, was, I watched it uh, while I was away, and I was fed. I was encouraged. I was challenged. And I encourage you to hear that word if you didn't. Now, he did share about an incident of being on an inner tube and being pulled. And um, it's an initiation that if you're going to be an O'Reilly, you have to, to go through. But the thing is that he didn't share with you is that he had newer equipment. When we were initiated, we literally had an inner tube that had the big, you know, thing and you had to make sure it was pointed in the right direction and you're praying to God that you didn't get, when you wiped out, that the thing didn't end up, you know, puncturing a lung or something. <laughs> but also, the, the, when you tied them together, you tied them around, they didn't have the nice fancy things that would pull them right up out of the water. So you literally had to go underwater for a period of time, especially if you had a boat that didn't have enough horsepower to immediately pull you up and out which was the way we were. Everyone get to the front of the boat. Uh, we, 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 uh, can anyone relate? And so like if you had to hold on and you think I'm being waterboarded, like this is not legal, is it? And um, so uh, then, of course, it was once you get up and going, then, you know, dad had to start doing the circles and getting the, the waves big and and we're going to see who can hold on the longest, and we're gonna, you're going to go off. And so uh, that was just part of the initiation. It wasn't torture. It, it was just a rite of passage, okay? So, and he, had to, he got to do it with newer and better equipment. All right, so we got that out of the way. Luke chapter 15. I hope it's a familiar passage with all of us, but let's revisit this passage. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, or he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. And I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this son, this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now Joshua chapter 24. One of my favorite passages of scripture. A lot of favorite passages of scripture. It's good. But Joshua is calling the people back to covenant with God. He's calling them back and he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to title this message, Who is in the House? Who is in the house? And I want to, I want to ask you the question... Who is in your house? Your house, the house of your heart. As Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What, what have you decided in your heart that you're going to do? And I'm going to ask you who is in the house. Now, we're going to, we're going to look at, there's three main characters in this parable that Jesus shared. There's the character of the father. There's the character of the wayward or the prodigal son. And there's the character of the older brother. And if we're all honest, if we'll really take account of our hearts, we can probably find a little bit of each one of those in us at times. And so the question is, who are you going to let dominate your house? What are you going to cleanse your house of so that the Father can come and have preeminence in your heart? You see, here's the thing. This church will never have the heart of the Father until you have the heart of the Father reigning and ruling in your heart. It won't happen because we're the church. The attitudes we carry, the smells that we give off by our attitudes are either sharing, hey, the Father's in the house and, and you can smell the, the bread being baked and it's safe to come in. Or they're going to have the spirit and the smell of the elder brother. And we don't want that, do we? So let's take a look. First of all, there's the wayward or the prodigal son. This is the eat, drink, and party person. This is you only live once, so uh, grab all the gusto you can get. How many of you remember that commercial years ago? You're going to date yourself. Stop it. Don't go there. 
It's, uh, it's what I call the Travis Kelsey fight for the right to party. <laughs> That's it, baby. We're here to party. We're here to have a good time. We're going to throw caution to the wind, and we're going to spend it all. We only go around once, and let's just do it. And how many of you at times, like, part of you are like, uh, yeah, let's go. let's go. I'm tired of trying to live right. I'm tired of fighting the flesh. I'm tired of fighting devils and demons. Guess what, man? I'm just going to go. I'm going to let it go. And if we would all be honest, there's probably times. Like, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm tired of being good when the wicked prosper, and I'm working hard, and I'm not. It's like, throw it in. That's the, that's the attitude of the prodigal here. The word prodigal means recklessly and wastefully extravagant to be lavish and profuse. He's a renegade sibling. He has dishonored the family, broken his parents' heart, shown himself to be a worthless, worthless loser. And there are times I get tired and I get weary. Anyone else? You get tired and we're like, I got to read the Bible again. <laughs> I got to pray again. I got to go again. Yeah, you do. Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy. If you don't keep the purpose in front of you, you'll throw in the towel. You'll give in to the flesh, the world, the devil. And that's where the devil attacks us all. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. That's where you went with Adam and Eve. You just go study that in Genesis. The tree looked pleasant, lust of the eyes. Food, lust of the flesh, and you'll be wise beyond your years. That's the pride of life. You see it? And every one of us get tempted in that way. As long as you're still alive, your flesh is going to be, it wants to yield to that. And this prodigal son, he did. It leads to death, and that's the deception that the enemy says it won't. Then you have the, the attitude and the spirit of the elder brother. And he is ever dutiful. Ever working in the fields is the odd. He is responsible and respectful. He's dependable. He's the letter of the law type of person. Not the spirit, but the letter. In fact, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. And here's his thing. It isn't fair. It isn't just. I won't be a party to it. Oh, that would never happen in any of our hearts, would it? He says, my brother deserves to be run out of town on a rail, not hailed as a conquering hero. Oh, no, it isn't right. You'll never find me celebrating his return. No, not me. And unfortunately, it can happen in our hearts, and then it can happen in the spirit of a church. What are they doing here? Why are they back? (laughs) It's amazing how many people pray for lost people. And then lost people show up and they're lost. And they, their language isn't cleaned up yet. And they're, you know, they, they, they're not wearing the right attire yet. <laughs> it reminds me of when the church was first starting and we were over at the old, um, it was called the Braniff Building. And then it was the America West Building. And we had that building we were in. We were vagabonds for a while. We stayed and moved and moved. And so we, on our 10th anniversary, when, I forget when it was. It was maybe the 5th. I don't remember. And we decided to do an outdoor concert and invite the public. And guess what? The public showed up. And then one girl showed up with shorts and a shirt on. And then she sits down and pulls her, her shorts off and her top off. And she's in a red bikini enjoying the music and the worship because she was at a local hotel where they had 
dropped off some flyers about a free concert and food. The world showed up. And then all of a sudden, some people, pastor, pastor, do you see that? Who's going to go talk to her? He goes, do you see all these young boys around here? I go, young boys? I'm not worried about the young boys. I'm worried about old men like you and me. (laughs) I did. I said, brother, what what are you going to do? You can't run from the world. Go, go, Go talk to her. Go witness to her. Go find out how she got here. Don't be afraid of the world. (gasps) Like, no, we're in the world. We're not of the world. I didn't share that story last night. That was one of the hallmarks of our existence as a church. We're going to have a religious spirit about us or we're going to have a redeeming heart. Make a decision. Make up your mind. You're going to be little uh, lawgivers and going around giving out tickets. Oh, your, your shorts are too tight or they're not long enough or whatever it might be. You drink tea, it's got caffeine in it. You eat French fries, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's totally out of context. Do you know that, right? You do know that. But anyway, we'll use it. That's the spirit of the elder brother. We could keep going. Where, where, do we need, where do we go? You don't do communion every week? You have to do communion every week. Says who? Take it every day. Take it once a year. What? But see, we get caught into these things. And that's the spirit of the elder brother. And we need cleansed of that if we're going to reach the lost. He's got the attitude of a slave. I've been laboring. I've been faithful. I've been doing my duty. That's the attitude. It's a works mentality. It's I'm towing the line, and therefore I'm going to be rewarded, and I'm, I'm good, and I'm better. <laughs> like, no. That's a religious spirit, and I don't want it. I don't want the prodigal spirit. I don't want this, this throwing caution to the wind. No, I'm going to rebuke both. God's going to rebuke both. See, he uses a Greek word. He could have used a different one. There's a Greek word called duleo. It, it, it means slave. And there's another one uh, where we get the word deacon, diakonos. It just means to serve. He could, but he used the stronger one. He used the one, I'm a slave. I'm a slave. I'm doing my job. I'm towing the line. I'm, I'm, I'm marking everything. Dad, can't believe it. Do you have anything offered? He's like, son, I, the whole thing's been yours. You could have asked at any time. I'd have been happy to throw a party for you and your friends. But you've got the wrong mindset. You see, the younger brother in this picture represents the tax collectors and sinners of societies. They observe neither the moral laws of the Bible or the ceremony of purity followed by religious Jews. They engaged in wild living, left home by leaving traditional morality. And the elder brother represents the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They held to the traditional morality of their upbringing. They studied and obeyed the scripture. They worshiped faithfully and prayed constantly. The sinners were constantly gathering around Jesus. And that puzzled the religious crowd. Wait a minute. He eats with sinners. And like, why was it? Because when you ate with somebody, you invited them into community. 
What is he doing eating with the sinner, the tax collector? But what was happening here? That's what we got to wake up to. Jesus was creating a completely new community of people. Do you understand? He's bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together. He's bringing a complete, he's making a new person in Christ. Vagabonds, religious, irreligious, all of it. It's got to go. And you come and be united in Christ. You come and be cleansed and be forgiven and walk in the spirit and receive grace that you can't earn. That's the community he was building. And heaven celebrates sinners who repent. You've come home. You scoundrel, you. You've come home. Unbelievable. You're here. It's amazing. You've come home. Heaven celebrates the coming home. But the elder brother can't. He'd already disowned him. You saw it in the language, right? This son of yours. Not my brother. No part of me. No, he's, he's, he's your brother. We all need dads, don't we? We need dads to step in. Say, son, you're, you've got it wrong. you got it wrong. I don't love you less. I don't love him more. You need to change your attitude. You need to change your heart. If we're all honest, we tend to become resentful, experience self-pity, and even become angry at God for allowing things to happen or not happen, can't we? We can. It can happen. We've got we've to crucify the spirit and the attitude of the elder brother. Amen? It needs to go if the father's going to occupy the house. You see, this story reveals the destructive self-centeredness of the younger brother and condemns the elder brother's moralistic life in the strongest of terms. Jesus is saying that both the irreligious and religious are spiritually lost. Both life paths are, are dead ends. So what is the solution? What's the solution? I'm glad you asked. The solution is the father's heart. That's the solution for this. The father wants to be in the house. The father wants to fill the house. The father wants to fill his house with, with reconciliation because he, he, he reconciled you back to God through the death of his son and he wants you to be a reconciler. He wants you to bury the hatchet. He wants you to come and forgive as you've been forgiven. That's who he is. He's the God of, he's the father of compassion. He's the father of light, love, grace, mercy. He, he, he's the father of celebration. He's the father of patient waiting and forgiveness. Now look, that's what has been expressed to you when you accepted and received Christ as your Lord and Savior. It was the patient love of the Father waiting for you to respond to his amazing grace and love. And now that you have, now go and share that same expression to the lost world. A father who runs, that's who he is. I'm running after him. Look, 
Compassion fills my heart. And see, you have to understand that fathers didn't run in those days. It was not really respectable for them to run. You'd send the servants around. But this father hiked up his, his uh, skirt, his, whatever they call those things, you know. They had to tie him up in order to be able to run. And, and, and he ran, and that's God's heart. I'm not waiting for him to get here. Sorry, sucker. Boy, am I going to give him a piece of my mind. Am I going to lecture him good? Not this father. And then what is a returning son? He's got his speech made out. I know what I'll tell my dad. I know, I know I've sinned. I know I'm not worthy to be a son anymore, but I'll be a servant. And, and he starts his speech, and dad's just like, ah, go get the, go, go get the, you know, the fatted calf. Go get, go get a robe. Go get the best. Go get it. Get it going. And, uh, you know, they say, who, who, was, who, was, who were the most disappointed in this story? Who was not happy about this thing that was happening? The elder son and the fatted calf. <laughs> like, yeah, it's my day. <laughs> you see, the robe represents dignity and honor and proof of acceptance back into the family. The ring is a sign of authority and sonship. And the sandal is a sign of not being a servant. And the servants did not wear sandals. The fatted calf in those times were saved for special occasions. This was not just any party. It was a rare and complete celebration. All these things represent what we receive in Christ upon salvation. You see this picture? The robe of the Redeemer's righteousness we receive when we accept Christ. It's imputed to me. I'm not righteous on my own. I'm not righteous because I do good works. I'm not righteous because I have good thoughts. I'm righteous because Jesus imputed his righteousness to me, the Bible makes it clear, all my righteousness is as a filthy rag. He imputes to me the Holy Spirit where I can cry out, Abba, Father, I'm adopted, I've been chosen, I've been grafted into the family of God. And then he gives me shoes of peace, gives me the gospel of peace, my shoes I can put on, I can be now a peacemaker. It's going to make peace with God, make peace with fellow man. Go ahead and make peace. You want to make peace with God today? Are you at peace with God? So I've had to go to many bedsides of people dying. I said, would you go and witness to my, my relative, my family member? I'm not sure if they know Jesus. And so, hey, you know, in love and mercy, I say, hey, you do you have, are you at peace with God? Well, I'm not sure. Do you want to be sure? You can be sure. Led my own grandfather to the Lord when he was about 83, 84. I've shared that story. My twin brother said, we need to go witness to Grandpa. All right, let's go. And then right before we go in, he said, you lead. <laughs> sure, I did, dude. <laughs> but God, and we shared the gospel with him, shared the good news of Jesus, and he wept. I can be forgiven. Yes, Grandpa, you can be forgiven. And he wept, and he received Jesus into his heart. It's never too late. But see, if you don't have the spirit of the Father, then you're not going to win people to Christ. Because only the Father can draw people to himself through the Holy Spirit. 
It's not a work of religious duty. It's a work of you in harmony with the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, the actions of the Father in the parable show us that the Lord does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Look at Psalm 103. For, let's read it out loud together, can we? I think it's up there now. Do, do we ever, did we get it, Daniel, or no? It's there. As a father has compassion, out loud together. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Is that all we got? All right. But then pull it back here because I'm going to read the whole thing. I thought we put the whole 10 through 13 up there. Back. You guys, it's amazing what my finger can do. <laughs> now, go back up. Back. Yeah. We're going to go back. I got to see all the verse. No, you're going the wrong way. Going down. Okay, I'm doing it wrong. All right. Scroll down a little bit more. A little bit more. There. Got it. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Can we hear an amen? May that be the echo of our heart. Because the father is in the house. The father's in the house. Instead of condemnation, there is rejoicing for a son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Those words, dead and alive, lost and found, are terms that also apply to one state before and after conversion of Christ. You see it? God has given you a picture of salvation right there in the story of the prodigal son. Well, I was dead. I was lost in my trespass and sin. I was self-righteous. I was condemned to death. But God has made me alive. And he'll make you alive too. You see, the heart of the Father towards you are seen in baptism of Jesus. And I shared this last, the week before on Father's Day weekend. And I want to share it with you again because this is the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father gives impartation. That's the Holy Spirit descended upon him. God, when you got saved, he deposited the Holy Spirit to you. He imparted to you righteousness and forgiveness and the Holy Spirit as a witness and a seal of your salvation. And then what else did he do? He gave you identification. So many of us are identified by what we do and, and our jobs and the money we have and the prestige or the fame. No, 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 no. God says, listen, this is my beloved son. In other words, you're my daughter. You're my son. God wants you to know who are you? I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. Now, I do some things, but who I am, I am a child of God. That's my identity. Because there's things I do that I fail at, and that doesn't identify me. My God identifies me. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that's what God wants to say to you. You're my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Think, but I, I, I mess up. I know, but God's well pleased with you. God's well pleased because he sees that you've accepted his son Jesus because you're covered by his blood. Because he has plans. You've been adopted. You've been chosen. Now, stick with him. Don't let go. Don't let go of who you are in God. Don't let go of who God says you are. I am not the sum of all my failures. I'm not the sum of all the things that people have said about me. I am a child of God. That's who I am. I'm a... Son of the Father, I am a daughter of my Father. This is who I am. And then the affirmation, in whom I'm well pleased. 
Some of us have a hard time. We're not letting the Father in. Like, no, we're going to let, no, but I'm just not worthy to be, I'm just not worthy. No, 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 no. That's a slave mentality. You've got to get rid of it. I'm chosen. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I am saved. God did it. it. I didn't choose it. He chose me. I had nothing to do with it. He's done it all. I am his child. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I am in the palm of his hand and no one can snatch me out of it. This is something that he's done and that's who he is and that's the way he is. I don't understand it all. I don't have to, but I can receive it and receive it I do because the Father is in the house. It is also seen in the religious leaders bringing the woman caught in adultery to Jesus. He called out the religious leaders' hypocrisy. He did not condemn the woman, nor did he condone or affirm her sin. Y'all have to understand that. The Father will discipline us. Not punish us, but discipline us. The Father will forgive you, but then he'll tell you, go and sin no more. Or something worse is going to happen. That's the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father will never condone sin. Oh, you're welcome here. You can stay in your sin. No, 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 no. You've got to, there's repentance that's needed. We'll help you repent. We'll help you break these addictions. We'll pray over you. But don't, don't just say, God made me this way. No, he did not make you to sin. He did not create you to sin. That's your fallen nature that's crept in. That's your mentality that you've adopted because you, you just believe that, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be this way the rest of your life. No, no, no. We're going to break that stronghold. We're going to break that mentality. This is not your destiny. So in closing, may we all turn from our sin and return in humble repentance like the prodigal son to our heavenly father constantly. May we all come to our senses and say, Father, I want you in the house. And I don't want to live a prodigal life. I don't want to throw caution to the wind. Though I'm tempted to, God, help me to come to my senses so that I turn to you constantly. May we cleanse our hearts of the words and the actions of the elder brother. Amen. May, may my heart be cleansed of the words and the actions of the elder brother. What were they? His relationship with his father was based on works and merit. He points out to his father that he's always been obedient as he's been slaving away. Thus he deserves a party. He has earned it. He despises his younger brother and underserving of the father's favor. He does not understand grace and has no room for forgiveness. In fact, the demonstration of grace toward his brother makes him angry. His brother does not deserve a party. He has disowned the prodigals of brother referring to him as this son of yours he thinks his father is stingy and unfair you never gave even me you didn't even give me a goat for me and my friends church may we embrace the heart of the father would you say amen and will you stand with me may we embrace the heart of the father and love as he loves us is that not what God wants to do he does. We must shake off this eat, drink, and be merry and throw caution to the wind. We must shake it off and not let it get a hold of us. We must shake off this attitude of religious superiority. We must get rid of it, the attitude of the elder brother, and we must embrace the heart of the Father. And we could say, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me, the Father is in the house so that we can say collectively, the Father's in the house. I, it's okay. It's safe for you to come to the rock. You, the building won't collapse and lightning won't strike. 
you'll be fine. You know, the excuse that a lot of sinners use, oh man, if I show up in church, man, it'll cave in. Like, no, no, something will cave in, but it won't be the building. It'll be your heart to the loving heart of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray for a moment here. If you're here today and you've never turned your heart over to Jesus and returned to the Father through Jesus, today's your day. Now is your time. You're not too far away. You've not sinned away grace or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. If you had sinned away grace, you would have no need or conviction to even turn to God. But you're here today. And today's your day. Now is the time of your salvation. Will you give your heart to him because he gave his life for you? If that's you, just lift your hand right now. Lift it up all over this room. There's hands going up. This is, I, look, Father, I'm returning to you today. I'm returning to you with all my heart. I want Jesus as my Savior. Just go ahead and talk to him right now. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want you to rule and reign in my heart through Jesus Christ, my Lord. You're my Father, and you're the Father of mercies, and you're Father of grace. And I turn to you today with all my heart. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Put your robe of righteousness on me. Put the ring of authority on me. Give me the sandals for my feet that I may walk in your path and I may walk in your ways. And for all of us today, would you just say, Father, fill the house. Father, fill the house and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give him honor, give him glory, and give him praise.